La 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 la. Hi, I'm Patricia. Welcome to the 50th episode of A Breath of Song. 50. That's just amazing. I'm so glad you chose to do this today, which is extra special because Sarah Lynch Thomason is joining us for a songwriter conversation. Hi, Sarah. Welcome. Hi, Patricia. I'm so glad to be here. Sarah once said, to me, singing helps to build the individual's inner strength as well as forge communal experiences. We're here to uncover the wellness and strength inside of us, one song at a time. Your voice is exactly what's needed for this. I'm coming to you straight from my home in what is now called Burlington, Vermont, on the unceded lands of the Abenaki. And Sarah, tell us where you're calling from. I am speaking to you from Asheville, North Carolina, which um, uh, to the Cherokee historically has been known as Togiasdi, which means the place where they raced, because here in Asheville, the Swannanoa River uh, flows into the French Broad River, and this was um, the site of a historic town where people would have canoe races and games and big gatherings. So coming to you from Asheville or Togiasdi in Western North Carolina on the traditional lands of the Cherokee and many other indigenous peoples. I did not know that story before you shared it about Asheville. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. All of our voices will turn up as they are today. And no matter what, we can feel the connection to our breath and vibration in our body, whether we're singing this song the first time or this is your 60th time through listening to it, we can tune into that same information and find how good it can feel to sing. Last week, I shared Sarah's song, More Waters Rising. Today, Sarah will be teaching us another beautiful song of hers called Navigate the Current. We'll learn it slowly so it can settle inside you and you can begin to trust it as a resource let it move you into a state of flow. Then we get to enjoy a conversation with Sarah and we'll close out with the song again at the end. You'll always be able to find this episode on the website, abreathofsong.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen as many times as you like. Really let this song settle into you. So let's start with warming up though. Good yawn stretch. Ooh. Oh, maybe roll your shoulders a bit, stretch into your back. Whatever feels good in your body right now, this moment. <laughs> Including sliding your chair around, if you have a slidey chair, how excellent is that? And find space, let's let the air come in. Notice when the air comes in, it can widen your ribs. Feel it push against your ribs this time. And as you exhale, let it release. And on your next inhale, let it push down into your belly. And as you exhale, let it release something somewhere. And on this inhale, feel it widen your back. And as you exhale, just let go. And how about feeling the sound slide up and down your spine for a minute? Imagine you have a super slidey spine. Yeah, and scrunch up your face. The cat sounds. And stretch out wide. This is when I'm always glad this is a podcast, not a video. Great, wonderful. I'm Sarah. I'm going to turn it over to you and invite you to share this song. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, this song is called Navigate the Current, and we'll talk more about its meaning in a little bit. But I do want to say that this song was written as a response to uh, my experiences of chronic pain and disability and um, how community and family can, can soothe that pain and, and bring me to a better place. So um, this song, unlike um, More Waters Rising, is just verse after verse after verse. There is not a, uh, a chorus or a, a refrain to catch on to. So um, what we're going to do is I'm going to teach you the first verse um, and we'll break it down line by line. And then I'll sing uh, the whole song so you can hear all of that. 
And if you uh, feel inspired to, to learn the song in whole, you can go to the Breath of Song website and check out the lyrics. And right now we're, we're going to work on getting a, a good grasp on the melody and, and the lyrics of the first, the first part of the song. So I'll sing all of uh, the first verse for you, and then we'll spend some time breaking it down. And I'm going to accompany myself on a harmonium instrument called the Shruti Box. So that's going to be giving us some, some background drones here. I often feel a deep despair For a pain that feels unending For a body made with many faults That resists all salve or mending I'm tossed and driven with a tide of an ocean unforgiving I am left shaking on a shore afraid of even standing all right so let's learn our first few lines here love I often feel a deep despair so try that with me. Our note again is la. Here we go. I often feel a deep despair. All right, let's do that again. Here we go. I often feel a deep despair. All right, here's our next line. For a pain that feels unending. So try that with me. For a pain that feels unending. We'll do it again. For a pain that feels unending. All right, so uh, we'll put those two lines together. So all of our words are, I often feel a deep despair for a pain that feels unending. And our note is, la. All right, here we go. I often feel a deep despair for a pain that feels unending. Again, I often feel a deep despair for a pain that feels unending. Beautiful. All right. Here's our next line. For a body made with many faults. So let's try that together. For a body made with many faults. All right, we'll do it again. For a body made with many faults. All right, here's our last line of that first part of the verse that resists all salve or mending all right let's try that together that resists all salve or mending okay we'll put those last two lines together so i'm just going to say the words first for a body made with many faults that resists all salve or mending and salve is spelled s-a-l-v-e for clarity that resist all salve or mending so um, we'll start with for a body made with many faults Love. for a body made with many faults that resists all salve or mending one more time for a body made with many faults that resists all salve or mending. Lovely. So now you've learned the first part of the first verse. So I'm going to just say the words that we've been learning, and then we'll uh, sing that whole first part together. I often feel a deep despair for a pain that feels unending, for a body made with many faults that resists all salve or mending. We'll start uh, at the beginning. Let's go with me here. I often feel a deep despair 
for a pain that feels unending, for a body made with many faults that resists all salve or mending. Great, let's do it again. I often feel a deep despair for a pain that feels unending, for a body made with many faults that resists all salve or mending. Beautiful. Okay, so now we're going to move on to uh, the next uh, part of the verse here. I'll sing it for you once and then we'll break it down. I'm tossed and driven with the tide of an ocean unforgiving. I am left shaking on a shore, afraid of even standing. All right, so here's our first line. I'm tossed and driven with a tide. So we're moving up the scale here. So let's try that together. Our, our note there is la. Here we go. I'm tossed and driven with a tide. Let's do that again. I'm tossed and driven with a tide. All right, great. Here's our next line of an ocean unforgiving. Let's do that together. Of an ocean unforgiving. All right, we're going to put those two together. So our note is, la, I'm tossed and driven with a tide. Here we go. I'm tossed and driven with a tide of an ocean unforgiving. Again, I'm tossed and driven with a tide of an ocean unforgiving. Beautiful. So our last two lines are, I am left shaking on a shore afraid of even standing. So that first line is, I am left shaking on a shore. Let's do that together. I am left shaking on a shore. Let's do it again. I am left shaking on a shore. All right, and here's our last line. Afraid of even standing. Let's do that together. Afraid of even standing. All right, we'll put those last two lines together. I am left shaking on a shore, afraid of even standing. La. All right. I am left shaking on a shore, afraid of even standing. Beautiful. So before we go over that last uh, part of the verse again, I, I want to pause and talk about something that's happening in this song. As we sing this song, we're using a lot of ornamentation, which technically in the musical world is also called melisma. And all that really means is that when we're singing vowels, we're using multiple pitches on those vowels. So for example, when, uh, when we sing, I am left shaking on a shore, we're doing a lot of melisma there. So we go, a shore, so that A, We've got two different pitches on it. Uh, and when we're learning to sing, uh, especially as kids, we don't usually learn to sing with a lot of ornamentation. So if we think about the song like, Mary had a little lamb, each one of those vowels just has one pitch associated with it. And that's um, pretty simple. That's a great way to start learning how to sing. But in a lot of folk song traditions from around the world, there's a lot of ornamentation usually happening. And this song, 
uses the melody and is mostly based off of the melody, the star of the county down, which comes from Ireland and an Irish traditional song. There's a lot of ornamentation. And so um, that's what you're hearing happening as you're learning this song. And as you become more, more familiar with it, you can uh, get more comfortable kind of putting the ornamentation where you want. And uh, as you hear me sing the whole song later, you might hear some of that ornamentation shifting around a little bit or me adding some extra stuff. Can I just ask a question here? Yeah, yeah. Um, which is about the ornamentation at the end of the words. Like you'll sing, sure, you know, and it, it, there'll be a little kick at the end or something like that. Yes, totally, totally. Thanks for pointing that out. Um, so in, um, again, in a lot of uh, folk song traditions, it happens in, in Appalachian and American folk song traditions, and it happens in a lot of other traditions too. Um, uh, you might hear that little that little flip uh, at the end of a line. And I think this is something that happens really naturally with, um, with singing, especially outside of sort of the trained classical forms of singing, where you're just kind of releasing breath <laughs> at the end of a line. Um, there, this little sigh might be happening kind of naturally. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And uh, I think over time, that kind of uh, intuitive way of singing uh, has become um, more of a, a kind of learned way of singing a lot of traditional song. And so that's, mm -hmm. that's a, a way that I have learned to use my voice. And often it is unconscious. Um, other times it's a very much a purposeful decision. And especially for, for folks who listen to bluegrass or country or old time music, you'll hear that flip happening all the time. Yeah. And uh, sometimes it also um, manifests as a, what's called a vocal break, where this happens, it's just a natural kind of crack or break in the voice that happens when you're moving between your chest voice to your head voice or head voice to chest voice from high to low, low to high. Again, you can kind of learn to use that and accentuate it. And it's something we're trained to get rid of, to not do in classical singing traditions. But in many other singing traditions, it's something that's seen as very expressive and emotional and, and more valued. So yeah. that's what I'm doing there at the end of yeah. those lines. It's great. So we'll get back into our song here and uh, we'll, we'll go through the whole first verse together. I'm going to speak the words once and then we'll, we'll just dive in and we'll sing the, the whole first verse together. So I often feel a deep despair for a pain that feels unending for a body made with many faults that resists all salve or mending. I'm tossed and driven with a tide of an ocean unforgiving. I am left shaking on a shore afraid of even standing. La, here's our first note. Mm, here we go. I often feel a deep despair for a pain that feels unending. For a body made with many faults that resists all salve or mending. I'm tossed and driven with a tide of an ocean unforgiving. I am left shaking on a shore, afraid of even standing. Beautiful. Thank you for learning all of these lyrics with me and just diving in, being vulnerable in that way. I'm going to go ahead and sing the whole song now. So we'll start again and you'll get a chance to sing those, those first, um, that first verse with me and we'll keep going from there. Love, I often feel a deep despair for a pain that feels unending for a body made with many faults that resists all salve or mending i'm tossed and driven with a tide of an ocean unforgiving i am left shaking on a afraid of even standing. 
I feel a deep temptation then, as I am lying weary, for a marble formed to encase my bones, that I may rest more deeply. What comfort to be cast as stone, to be static and suspended. No ecstasy, no misery, nothing given or expended. I am startled then by the touch of friends, who raise and fortify me, who say my name, bid me stretch my frame, help me face the sea's great fury. Where would I be in these long hours without their voices by me? To ease the pain and soothe the strain Of a troubled and angry body. I am bound between the amity That salves a body splintered And the cries and sighs of the daily hours that turned my soul more inward. Oh, may I learn to trust the hands that soothe the pain so fervent. May I ride each wave with a greater faith and navigate the current. Sarah, your voice is so beautiful. Oh, thank you. It's so, it feels so, um, rich colors to me. Rich, rich, velvety, rich colors. I, I just, I love to listen to it. Well, thank you so much. Um, I feel like I've, I've learned, so much of how I've learned how to use my voice has come from a lot of different traditional singers who, um, aren't afraid to kind of use their lower, the strength of their lower voices and to mm. sing with a lot of power. Um, mm-hmm. I'm definitely um, inspired and drawn to a lot to, to shape note traditions, which is a form of, of um, American hymn singing, uh, usually with three or four part harmonies. And in that tradition, you just belt out mm-hmm. the notes, you know, <laughs> unapologetically. And I, I love that about um, some of uh, American song traditions, and I'm definitely inspired by that. And it's an amazing experience because in shape note, traditionally, in, at any rate, you're in a square, you're facing each other. Yes. And so the sound of all of those voices singing at full vibration, full resonance is just an incredible, I mean, it literally shakes the space that you're in. Yes. Yeah. It's incredibly powerful. And um, yeah, everybody, all those bodies are vibrating together yeah. and it's a, an amazing experience. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm wondering, you have all of this extra, this special training and interest in the ballad tradition, especially as it has evolved in Appalachian communities. I have so many questions for you. First, I want to ask you, is it Appalachian or Appalachian? Um, it can be both. So um, my family is um, primarily from East Tennessee uh-huh. and um, in North Georgia, too. And all, all of that's kind of in the southern Appalachian mountain chain. And my mama, my grandmother, always would say it like Appalachian. So you have to got uh-huh. that ch. Um, uh-huh. But in other parts of the region, um, I think particularly in parts of Pennsylvania further north, people also say Appalach- Appalachian. <laughs> I'm having trouble saying it the other way. Um, Appalachian or, you know, using that softer Appalachian. sound. Yeah. So both are, um, despite some people who might try to correct you, I think both, both are traditional and correct. All right. All right. That's good to know. So what happens, thinking of correcting and words and things like that, when you're learning in the oral tradition, I'm curious, what happens if somebody's singing a word that you grew up saying differently? 
do you sing it the way that the person you're learning the song is singing it? So, for example, salve or you'll have to say it the way you say right, it. Right, exactly. Yeah, I say salve. You right? say salve. And I grew up saying salve, which may not even be, it may just be something I made up, but it's what I grew up saying. It's what I have in my head for that word. So, or, or often, I grew up saying often without a T instead of often. Mm -hmm. And so I'm learning, here I am learning this song from you. Should I be trying to say the words exactly the way you say them? Or should I be trying to, um, should I be taking the words in my own meaning and my own language and saying them in my tradition? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. People, um, especially people who um, sing a lot of folk songs and like just older traditional songs from a, from a lot of different cultures and communities, uh, like I do, often have these conversations about like, oh, what is what is respectful? What feels authentic? You know, exactly. in terms of how I'm using my voice. And I grew up doing a lot more, you know, being in choirs, doing a lot more classical singing. So at that point, I was learning a lot more. I was learning certain ways to use vowel sounds and certain ways to enunciate and, mm -hmm. and a more classical style. And then when I started learning other kinds of folk songs, I was learning to use my voice in different ways and use vowels in other ways. Mm -hmm. In my background, I so I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, and I uh, grew up without being given um, much of a what would be classically considered a kind of southern southern accent. Both my parents are from the south, but both of them learned to diminish their accents um, mm -hmm. because there's a lot of discrimination about accents in the mm -hmm. urban south and. And so I was raised without much of a much of a southern accent. Yet when I'm around my extended family, I'm hearing that and that I'm hearing their accents and that's feeling really familiar to me too. So I kind of learned this kind of chameleon sort of way of, of being able to shift around. Um, yeah. And that so that also felt really intuitive uh, to me as a singer. So I think for folks who are learning songs from traditions outside their own or just use use of voice um, and pronunciation that's different, it really comes down to what feels the most authentic for you. There are songs that I know starting out, I was trying to imitate the singer really closely, you know, mm -hmm. because the way they were expressing themselves, the way they were using their vowels, etc., felt felt really good. And I wanted to learn it that mm -hmm. way. And then over time, that song became more and more my own. And I started to sing it in a in a way that felt more like my own voice, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I can hear recordings of myself singing. I was doing this the other day. I was listening to a song from a Scottish singer. I was I was listening to the way I had sung that song a few years ago. And mm -hmm. I was like, wow, I sing that song so differently now. And I'm glad I do because it's more become my own my own way of the ways that I intuitively use my voice. Yeah. So the more we sing songs that we love, the more that they become our own voice. And I think it really comes down to what feels authentic to you, what feels like it's really coming from from how you want to express yourself. If that feels like speaking the way that the, that singer was, you know, that use of mm -hmm. language, then go for it. Uh, but if not, then you know this is folk tradition, right? You can reshape it um, to mm -hmm. what feels what feels good to you. Lately, I've been teaching a lot of short, very short songs with very few words meant for communal song leading, and I call them pocket songs, songs that are very easy to, to pick up and sort of carry with you. Whereas in the ballad tradition, you have these, you know, these songs, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm using my hands to show a long scroll, a lengthy scroll <laughs> yes. of words that, that are just dropping down, these whole long story songs. I studied a lot of child ballads when I was in college, largely mm -hmm. collected in, in England. And when I would sing those songs, I often felt that I was taking on a persona because they were often written in the, in the voice of somebody, you know. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that was very moving. That gave me a chance to access emotions and feelings and stories that I felt maybe hadn't been my experience in the exact details but they were things that I knew in my body how it felt to have power taken away from me mm. or to be put in a position where I had no choice 
these kinds of experiences. And I'm wondering, this song of yours, Navigate the Current, has so many beautiful, powerful words, a troubled and angry body, um, the temptation to, to let marble encase your bones so that you can just rest in stillness. I wonder if you could speak to that, that experience of, of using somebody else's words to both experience their experience and uncover your own experience, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's really beautifully put. Um, something I love so, so much about engaging with folk song and engaging in ballads, these, you know, these old story songs that go back to, in many cases, go back to Scotland, England, Ireland, and even further back in a lot of cases to like Scandinavia and the Mediterranean. You know, these, a lot of these songs, right, express experiences that many of us have had. And it's amazing to know that um, in many cases, like thousands of people have sung this song before you and thousands of people had to pass it through oral tradition for it to even reach you, to get to you. So there's, there's the element of singing a song that speaks to your experience and, and makes you, gives you that affirmation, that kind of like emotional affirmation of like, oh my gosh, you know, this, this song is saying, saying what I'm feeling, but then also to know that there is this community, this kind of spiritual ancestral community of people who, um, who also felt that way. And the song wouldn't have reached you if they had not been, uh, if they hadn't been moved by that song too. And when I, when I say ancestral, I mean in the broadest sense possible, I just mean all the singers that came before you, mm -hmm. you know? So, so there's those like layers of, of affirmation that I think are, are really beautiful that come along um, with folk song. And yeah, and then it can kind of, it becomes your own, right? As you're singing it, it becomes your own song too. And um, in my opinion, you can, you can shift the words around, you can add lyrics, you can add verses if you want to, to make it more about your own experience. And it's a way to discover things about yourself. You know, maybe the song is expressing things uh, like you said, Patricia, that you haven't personally experienced, but then it creates this this sense of empathy for broader experiences that maybe you haven't had, but you're sitting there in your body vibrating and saying, you know, singing those lyrics, and um, it extends one's own sense of experience by singing about something that you haven't uh, personally experienced yourself. So yeah, there's this kind of, there's this affirmation and then this big expansion that I think uh, expansion of empathy, you know, that mm. is happening when we sing uh, these these old songs. Can you talk to me then about this song specifically and maybe your hopes for this song, um, your thoughts about this song, what this song came from? Yeah, so, um, so this song was inspired by my personal experiences with uh, several different forms of, of chronic pain. I, I have, um, uh, I have uh, a few autoimmune conditions and uh, one of which is ulcerative colitis, um, which uh, causes a lot, of, a lot of pain for me in terms of my digestion, my ability to absorb nutrients. That's been with me since I was a teenager. So at this point, the majority of my life, I've, I've had that going on. And then I also have um, a form of sciatic nerve pain the sciatic nerve is this really important nerve for us humans that starts in the lower uh, part of the spine and then splits and goes all the way down our legs, all the way to our toes. And as I'm sure some listeners out there know, it can be really easy to experience nerve pain from the sciatic nerve if, if you know, we're a little out of alignment or if things get inflamed. Um, and that's been intermittent for me. So this song was about trying to express those experiences and how frustrating they can be and how community is is a way to soothe soothe that pain. And um, one big motivation for creating this song was that there are a lot of songs in folk tradition that are about um, spiritual pain and emotional pain. And those things are very valid, but I don't see a lot of songs from those traditions that are just about physical pain. <laughs> mm. um, I feel like there's kind of a, a mm -hmm. lack of that going on. And um, so, I want more songs and folk traditions about physical pain. I want more songs that speak to those experiences. 
And so that's one big reason why, why I created this song. So does knowing so much traditional song repertoire, obviously it influenced you as a songwriter. You chose a traditional song shape, melody shape for this song. Does it make it more difficult to create your own songs because you kind of feel like, oh, well, there's all this stuff that's come before? Or does it feel like it opens the way because you see how people have expressed themselves and you can express yourself now this way? Yeah, I for me, being steeped in that music is a, a big gift because it, it gives me this really broad vocabulary of melodies and of um, language, um, vocabulary, um, literal like vo vocabulary yeah. words that I am not normally exposed to. Um, and so I, I think it, it gives me all of these choices. Uh, it is funny because sometimes I, I'll create a song and think that at, to some extent that I created the melody myself. And then, you know, a few months <laughs> later, I'm like, ah, no, that's a oh. parody. That's that melody. Yeah, of course, you know. Um, <laughs> but overall, I think of it as a, as a, just this big gift. It's this big playground of, of material to, to draw from and be inspired by. Uh, in our culture, we have this image of artists as isolated, creative geniuses and that they kind of are, are out there on their own, having their own, their own unique ideas. And truly, you know, we never create in isolation and we, we create and are inspired by mm. our communities. And, mm. um, and I think it's sort of unhealthy to have that, that image of, of ourselves as creating in isolation. And I feel, um, I am happy to unabashedly use, <laughs> yeah. um, the material that, that I love and that I'm familiar with. And, you know, like in, in this song, Navigate the Current, there are uh, so many words and lines that I know are inspired by material I've been exposed to. So uh, in the last verse, I have some lines that say, I am bound between the amity that salves a body splintered and the cries and sighs of the daily hours that turn my soul more inward. And amity, like A-M-I-T-Y, that's not a word that um, I'm, I hear in normal conversation, but I know it's a word that I've been exposed to in uh -huh. traditional song um, and probably in hymn traditions. And, yeah. um, and then the, the phrase cries and sighs is definitely something I've picked up from traditional song as well. So all of it, it's all in there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's um, beautiful. Yeah. So I'm really grateful to have, mm, I'm grateful to be a part of that stream. You know. So thinking about the, the song, there aren't songs for physical pain. I, I find that a fascinating thought. And you know, I, I describe a breath of song the, as being a podcast about sharing songs to help us uncover wellness that's already there inside ourselves, singing to help us heal and adapt and grow. And of course, sometimes our bodies have specific ailments or challenges that don't go away. Mm -hmm. And I think in my mind, healing has always been about kind of living a full life yeah. with yeah. the bodies and minds that we have as distinct from seeking a cure right. to something. Like I live with mental illness and mm. if I tried to wait until that was cured before I <laughs> right. felt good, you know, that would just kind of be like, okay. Absolutely. You yeah. Know? <laughs> So I think to myself, but I hadn't made that explicitly clear when I was describing the podcast. Um, and then when I saw yeah. your song and I thought about that, the, the thought that healing is not always possible for a disability or how do you work with that thought? Right. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's something I really wish people understood. I would love for every human on the planet to understand about Um about disability and chronic pain, just sort of, number one, that it can look like so many different things. And number two, that that it isn't always about a cure. It is about living a full life in the bodies we have, you know? And something that I've learned in the process of, ha of having these issues, right, is that disability looks all these different ways and we often can't see disability. We can't see what people are struggling with. And that doesn't make it less real. You know, my with my nerve pain issues, like 
I can go months and months without needing extra assistance. And then I can go through several days where I really need help. And during those days, I'm often using a mobility aid, like I'm using a cane. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can't even do things like dress myself sometimes, or I need help getting in in and out of the bath. You know, it's like a very vulnerable process, which is one thing I'm trying to state some gratitude for in the song. But I have, I have friends that I've had for years and years who've never seen me with a cane because I happen to not need a cane on the days we've hung out. And then I have other friends who are much more familiar with that aspect of me. And yet that is something that I have been living with for, I will all, you know, may right. always be a part of my experience. And so really, you know, this song was partially written to just talk about, just talk about making that, making that more visible and understanding that uh, so much of what we're living with doesn't go away. And there's a freedom in, uh, I know there's been a freedom for me in admitting to myself that like, okay, this isn't always about being cured. This is about finding joy and and patience and all the things necessary to live as best I can with with what I have going on. And so I, I love so much when, you know, if a friend is just like, how are you doing? Or how are things going for you right now? That's a much more realistic question than, are you better? You know, like, have you, Oh yeah. can you, are you, you know, kind of implying like, are you fixed? Can you be fixed? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's other kinds of disabilities that are a little more visible in our culture, like, um, like eyesight, right? Like we've, um, Patricia, you and I are looking at each other right now over zoom and we both have glasses on yep. and, and visual correction, like this is a kind of, this is a disability aid, is our, our glasses, yeah. right? And that's so normalized in our culture. And yet there, there are other kinds of um, disability, so many that really aren't normalized or, or assisted to in the ways that we need. Um, and just having, having people who, who are there, like I'm talking about in the song, who are just like there to help, there to show up again and again, and are not looking for you to be cured but are joyful to, to assist you through, through your life, through the way that your body is and, and will be, is, uh, is a real gift. I have two thoughts, just quickly. Um, I'm thinking to myself, one is I, ha- I have a friend who is disabled with fibromyalgia, and, and one of the things that she often says is, we, disablement is the one thing we're all guaranteed to get to if we live long enough. You know, yes, <laughs> it's not. This is not something that's unique. It's not. Um, th- and thinking of the glasses, and as you said, we. I don't ever look at somebody with glasses and think, well, when are you going to get rid of those? Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, when are you going to get fixed? When yeah. are you going to get fixed? And the other thing that I was just thinking as you were talking was how the skills to learn to live with a disability, the skills of patience and finding and figuring out accepting kind of where you are on that particular day and being able to enjoy what is as opposed to what you feel like should be or something like that. I'm just thinking those same skills are the ones that help, might help us navigate world news, national Mm. news, Mm -hmm. um, which are things that are so frustrating because they're out of our control. Yeah, they feel out of our control. You know, maybe there are some small things we can do that can influence things, but it doesn't feel like I have a whole lot of influence on Putin. Right, right. Or, or Congress. And, you know, even though I, I vote and I, I'm active and so forth, but the level of frustration that can build up there. Yeah. I'm just thinking it's the same set of skills we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a really good point. There are there are events, there are sometimes even gigs, you know, that I can't I can't make happen because of my pain, right? And that's, mm-hmm. that's so frustrating. Like I can't really yeah. avoid being frustrated about those things. Right. But um, you know, the strategies that I use in those situations are are often speaking to my body and speaking with gratitude to my body. Um, being like, okay, we're on the same side. I know you're doing the best thing. <laughs> I know you're doing the best you can for me right now. And that might sound a little silly, but we we spend so much time in this culture really wrestling with this like mind, body, spirit, body, brain, body, you know, dichotomy yeah. where we we otherize our 
um, our bodies. Yeah. And it's even weird to say like our bodies as if they're separate from ourselves, you know? And anyway, speaking with compassion to, to my body and being like, okay, buddy, we're doing the best we can. I love you. Glad you're here. <laughs> um, can be so helpful. And I, I think thinking about the broader world and broader politics, speaking to ourselves and, and thinking about living in a way with gratitude and those baby steps of like, if I'm thinking about, okay, here we are, body, you're doing your best. What can we, what are we going to do today? And we're, whatever we get done today, we're going to say is enough. Yeah. And so that perspective has to be how we look at the wider world too. Like I can't stop this war or that war over there or this war over there. And, but what can I do? What are the little things I can do that might make a difference to somebody? And that may be enough, you know. One of the skills that you must be honing is making choices about what to do with your time and energy, right? And of course, everybody's time and energy is limited, right? That's just the way that it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but when you're ill and or when you're struggling with pain, when you're actively struggling with something that's that's creating a barrier to activity for you, then it's going to be even more limited. So that that thing of choice making and intention setting must, I don't know, do you become more aware of it? Yeah, um, you know, some of, uh, especially the sciatic pain I, is so hard to predict. Oh, okay. And right. so it's very hard to know, you know, and, and uh, disabilities on is such, like such a big spectrum of experience. So yeah. some people it's like, well, pretty much every day this is probably going to be happening for me, you know, this challenging thing. Right. And um, for me with the sciatic pain, like it's on and off, it's so unpredictable, which can be, can be hard. And so really, yeah, it's, it's kind of on a case by case, like assessing really day by day sometimes like, well, what am I able to do? Am I able to go to work? Am I not? Can I take a walk? And having the prep of, you know, what are the tools I have every time that can soothe me? And being patient with maybe starting on a task and realizing that I can't finish it and having people on hand who know that my needs are going to vary a lot. Um, so it's kind of like this, just trying to learn this nimbleness of, of resetting. Yeah. Like what are my choices today? Yeah. My choices might be different tomorrow. How does it affect your voice? Does it affect your voice? Hmm. I don't think it. It doesn't affect my voice, which is great. Um, singing is really soothing. You know, I get that that oxytocin release, that sense of flow. So, mm-hmm. singing can be a really soothing thing when I'm when I'm in that pain. Um, that's a that's another tool I have for sure. Changing gears a little bit, what's the earliest song memory or memory of using your voice that you have? That's such a good question. I, I'm not sure what my earliest memory is, but an early memory I have that I love is uh, in my house growing up, both my parents loved to uh, play a lot of music. And by play, I mean, you know, playing records and, and CDs and that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, and they listened to a really wide variety of music. And we had this, the, the music would play through, you know, we had speakers in the living room and in the kitchen and it would fill up, fill up the house. And um, so I have early memories of my mom playing music and just walking around the house sort of unabashedly, like unapologetically just singing really loud and singing uh, with a lot of humor and, and sweetness. And, um, I think that was a, a great early influence for me to see how much, like how much joy and humor, uh, and fun could go along with, go along with singing. Nice. What's the first sound you usually make in the morning? Um, it's probably me talking to my housemates uh, uh-huh. while making breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> I have been uh, trying to to pray more in the mornings recently. I've been I'm I'm pagan and I've tried to cultivate a practice of of praying to some ancestral deities. And so sometimes the first thing I'm doing is speaking, um, speaking about my intentions for the day and speaking to to those those deities. But your question makes me want to makes me think. Oh, should I be singing first thing? Should I be, should I be hollering? What should I be doing? Like, that could feel great. <laughs> what would feel good? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, I've read that you intended to be a visual artist 
first. Mm -hmm. And maybe now you're both. I don't know. I'm wondering if you see songs visually or how your visual sense interacts with, with music. Yeah. So I did grow up intending to, I had a plan, you know, that I was going to be an illustrator and a, a comics artist. Oh, <laughs> and, cool. Um, love graphic novels so much and did, uh, did a lot of that in, in undergrad. I had a studio arts degree at that point. Um, and at this point, I still do a certain amount of illustration and actually have a, a Patreon where, where right now I'm uh, having like a song of the month and I do a recording of that song and then also an illustration inspired by that song. So, Fabulous. um, yeah, I really like combining those things and, you know, with, with ballads, especially with, with these long story songs, you do need to have, or what's really helpful for me is to have this kind of rich visual world in my head, uh, to help me memorize those songs. So there is a, there are a lot of images moving through my head as I um, move from verse to verse. And then those images in turn can end up inspiring uh, the art I'm making too. That's fabulous. I mean, one of the questions I was going to ask you about was how you memorized all those long verses. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, having that visual world is a big part of it for me. There are times when I've researched, you know, memorization techniques, just, you know, because I've, I've needed more of that in my life. And something that uh, is really helpful with the ballads is to create images in your head that are associated with each verse. And since I feel pretty confident drawing too, sometimes I'll, I'll draw out those images kind of alongside mm. the lyrics um, mm -hmm. to help me remember. And the more exaggerated and silly and strange those images are, the more likely you are to remember them. And that's just a, that is just like common knowledge kind of in the, in that field of like, you know, building memory. Okay. Maybe because they don't have other things you don't have as many memories of that thing. Like if I think about a teacup, I have a gazillion memories of a teacup, right? Mm -hmm. But if I think about a teacup that's shaped like a starship, I don't totally. have so many memories of that. Totally. Yeah. And that creates some kind of emotional response. Like maybe that feels funny, you know, yeah. and so you're more likely to remember it. So if in a song, if someone is walking along the seashore and there are larks singing and flowers in bloom, then, you know, Maybe imagine those, maybe those larks are dive bombing you, <laughs> you know, and maybe the flowers are enormous and have this like really stinky smell or something. It, you know, it doesn't have to be romantic or pleasant. Like the more kind of extreme the imagery is, the more likely you are to remember it. So that's a big help for me. Um, I also really like to hand write out the lyrics to songs um, because it just it just is a memory aid compared to uh -huh. for me compared to typing the lyrics. Um, man, just repetition. <laughs> so do you have like yeah. a book of songs? Do you have a journal of songs or do you keep them on loose leaf paper? Or I don't know why this is important to me, but it is. So <laughs> it's, you know, it's a really big mix. I, in my early twenties, I did start, I started a, a song book where I was like, these are all the songs I know, you know, and it was all handwritten and just put uh -huh. in there. And that, that book, um, is still really useful to me. Cause I'll go back and remember like, Oh, I, did, I, knew that song once. I forgot it. Let's learn it again, you know? Um, um, but also I end up typing things up a lot too, because I, I teach these songs a lot and it's great to be able to make copies for people. Um, so it's, mm -hmm. it's a big old mix. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let's talk community singing, sharing these songs with people and things like that. I believe you started the Asheville community sing in 2010. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Um, little okay. after I moved to Asheville. So what do you think happens in live group singing that doesn't happen when we're alone? Um, well, um, similar to what we were talking about with, with shape note singing, you know, which is this big, big form of group singing, people are getting the opportunity to vibrate together. And um, I think it makes it makes it a lot easier can often make it a lot faster to get kind of this oxytocin release from from singing we can certainly get that on our own but when we sing together we're getting those vibrations you know harmony in particular like has has been proven as you know something that releases can release oxytocin in the body yeah. and yeah. and so um we're also learning to become more confident as singers in those spaces so many people you know grow up seeing singing as something uh, as many forms of art you know this is something that should be done by professionals um mm -hmm. and people learn to kind of silence themselves past a certain age and 
And community sings are a, a place, or I think should be a place, where people feel really encouraged to sing no matter their skill level. And it's a place where people can really learn, where people are encouraged to share songs and have a support group there. You know, people will help them sing that song and will help them teach it to others. You know, if someone's a little shaky on the melody, someone else can can step in and help strengthen that for them. So it's a place for people to feel more confident uh, in their own voices and engaging with their own bodies um, and knowing that this is for singing is for everyone. Um, mm. It took it took millions and millions and millions of years for us alongside other species to develop vocal cords. It took mm -hmm. a really long time <laughs> and <laughs> it's uh, a gift. You know, when I sometimes when I feel hesitant about singing or feel a little shy about singing, um, that knowledge is really helpful for me. I'm like, man, I've got this amazing gift <laughs> that like, what a, what a miracle to have vocal cords. I would like to use them, you know. I, I've and, never thought about that. That is a fabulous thought. Yeah. Yeah, it's very yeah, encouraging. It's yeah, it is amazing. We're, we are like the pinnacle. Now I'm getting a little intimidated. <laughs> but yeah, what a delight. Yeah. Is there anything else that you are excited about right now that you want us to know? Um, I did want to mention that I am developing an online course that I'll be teaching in the fall. And this, this course is titled uh, Badass Women in Folk Song. Oh. And it's looking at historic songs about women who are surviving and thriving and getting their way, outwitting assailants, being witches, doing all kinds of things. Because so often in, in folk song from the British Isles and, and um, from Appalachia too and, and North America, there are a lot of circumstances where women are, are victims. They're not really in control of their own fate. Mm -hmm. Um, and people tend to hear those songs more often than some of the other songs in those traditions where women are, are getting their way. So this course is going to be uh, all about learning those songs and engaging with those songs. Um, that sounds so. fabulous. So you'll have to give me the information and I will add it to this, um, to the show notes for this podcast, whatever information you have so that people will be able to track it down in the fall. Or if somebody's listening to it right now in the fall, they'll be able to come find it. Sounds great. Yeah, we'll do that. Um, I think we'll go into lightning round questions if you feel ready. Sounds good. Okay. So what's an album that was really important to you? The musician and musicologist Tim Erickson, uh, E-R-I-K-S-E-N, has influenced my singing a whole lot. And he has a, an album I love uh, called Soul of the January Hills that's completely acapella. I think it was all recorded in one take. Um, oh, wow. Huge variety of, of songs. And that song, that album has deeply influenced my, how I use my voice. What a beautiful title. Soul it? it's of a the great... January Hills. That's just, yeah. oh, wow. Okay, great. So that's going on the list. I love coming out of these podcasts with, with like, I come out with this long list of things I need to go listen to. And do. <laughs> totally, really totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, what is your favorite soup? There is a Mediterranean soup that I make that is like chicken and olives and artichokes and mm. uh, chicken stock. And that has been my favorite this, this past winter. What is your favorite replacement curse word? Since according to Apple, we're not allowed to use real curse words. So I was thinking, well, what else can we say? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, um, I realize sometimes I go like, mm-mm-mm a lot mm -hmm. uh, to, if, I, if I'm frustrated about something, which I'm sure is something I learned from my family. Um, so that's a good one. I like that. I like it. Okay. What is a sound that you feel strongly about? Um, I try to keep my windows open a lot so I can hear birdsong. And I realize that for most of my life, that's, that's what I wake up to in the morning is, is birdsong. And that sound is really important to me. That is a beautiful sound. I have to say that that brought to mind a sound that I feel really strongly about, which is leaf blowers, which I think would just be excised <laughs> oh, from the planet. Oh, I do. I feel so, I am with you. I feel so strongly yes. about leaf blowers. <laughs> I do too. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. Okay. Who is mm -hmm. an artist? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Who is 
an artist you wish more people listened to? Um, there is a, a couple, um, Michael and Carrie Klein, and their last name is spelled K-L-I-N-E, Michael and Carrie Klein. They've been really important mentors to me as a musician, as a folklorist, um, as someone who is a justice seeking person in the world. They lived in West Virginia for many years and just recently moved to Western uh, Massachusetts. And they have many albums out of, of folk music, of folk song. Uh, they also have a lot of albums that are these beautiful soundscapes based on oral histories they've done in different communities that kind of mix, mm. mix um, people telling stories and uh, traditional music and sounds aural sounds from those communities trains that kind of thing um so i just want more people to know about them they're really really beautiful folks um and you can actually learn more about them at um folktalk.org is their website okay all right great and i will put all of this in the show notes as well so that people can track it down and before we close where can we find you and follow your projects or buy your music you can find me a few different places um, my website is sarosings.com. So S-A-R-O-S-I-N-G-S, sarosings.com. I have a Bandcamp page, which uh, will be will be linked on, on Patricia's website. And I also have a Patreon, which is just patreon.com slash Lynch, S-A-R-O-L-Y-N-C-H. And um, yeah, folks who hop on board and become patrons will get music and um the higher higher level patrons will get illustrations every week and there'll be videos coming out from time to time so that's what i've got going on that sounds like just a beautiful resource what a great thing for people to have access to the combination of the illustrations and the music and the yeah it's been and it's really fun for me so yeah thanks great so a huge thank you to you, Sarah, for coming on A Breath of Song, and a big thank you to you, our listeners. I'm so glad you're singing with us. Let me remind you that sharing this podcast with your friends really makes a difference. Visit abreathofsong.com to see show notes with all these lyrics, links, as well as Patty Piotrowski's artwork. Sign up to get artwork and music, sort of a hit in your mailbox every week. Leave something in the tip jar to help cover costs. Before Patty or I get paid, 25% is donated to the Jazz Foundation of America, which directly supports jazz, blues, and roots musicians in need. The skill and artistry of these musicians has directly shaped much of the music that I share on this podcast, yet historically they have been inadequately recognized and unfairly recompensed by people in power. This is a small step toward equity that we can take together. So let's sing Navigate the Current again to help it sink in more deeply. All right. If you're willing, Sarah, to take us Oh, very happy to do in. that. Great. Getting the shruti box ready here. And Patricia, I just want to say a big thank you for making this podcast. I have learned so many songs from your oh. podcast and been so inspired by a lot of new artists. And so... This, uh, this podcast is a, a, a bomb and a salve <laughs> for oh, me. Oh, I'm delighted. Thank you. When I was setting it up, when I was designing it, I was thinking, what do I need to be a balm and a salve for me? <laughs> mm, good, good. That's good motivation. <laughs> Here we go. Navigate the current. I often feel a deep despair For a pain that feels unending For a body made with many faults That resists all salve or mending I'm tossed and driven with the tide Of an ocean unforgiving I am left shaking on a shore, afraid of even standing. I feel a deep temptation then, as I am lying weary, for a marble form to encase my bones, that I may rest more deeply. What comfort to be cast a stone, 
to be static and suspended. No ecstasy, no misery, nothing given or expended. I am startled then by the touch of friends who raise and fortify me who say my name, bid me stretch my frame, help me face the sea's great fury. Where would I be in these long hours without their voices by me to ease the pain and soothe the strain of a troubled and angry body? I am bound between the amity that serves a body splintered and the cries and sighs of the daily hours that turn my soul more inward. Oh, may I learn to trust the hands that soothe the pain so fervent May I ride each wave with a greater faith and navigate the current. Thank you for joining Saro and Neve today for a breath of song. I'm grateful that you are taking care of yourself and listening to your own voice. I believe making a better world starts with tuning in to ourselves and each other, which is what we just did. So yay us! If you're liking this podcast, please share with a friend, and next time we'll plant another song. Until then, be well. We can stop. Cool.